0: Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Pulp Today. I know when I did the last one, I said it would be the last one for the year, and I lied. Well, I was wrong. Pause to take a drink. That's a coffee black Russian kind of a thing, very lovely post-Christmas drink. So, when I finished the last one, it was number 47, and I hadn't noticed that I had cut season one at 24 episodes, therefore 48 would make a great ending to season two. So, rather than hang it up for the year, I thought, I'll do just one more, and the audio version will drop first week in January sometime, because Pendant Audio is off for a couple of weeks, which, good for them, they deserve it. So today I'm going to talk about Philip K. Dick. Uh, In doing this, the previous 47 episodes, I've talked about a lot of books. I've talked about a lot of books that I love. I've been introduced to books uh, that I didn't know by friends. I haven't really covered every book that I love, though, because sometimes you just don't know what to say or there's too much to say and. Valis by Philip K. Dick is kind of one of those books. If you're not familiar with the name, and I, you're probably familiar with the name if you clicked play on this video. But just in case you're not, Philip K. Dick was a science fiction writer. Died in the early '80s, or right before Blade Runner, the first significant adaptation of one of his books, "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" was released. He had a kind of troubled life. But at, from a literary standpoint, he started out writing two different kinds of novels. He would write, honestly, not very good, socially realistic novels set in southern, in northern California, about his own life, kind of semi-autobiographical stuff. None of them were very good, um, honestly. I mean, I've read a few of them, and I they're they're not, they're not great. And to make a buck, he was writing cheap flashy science fiction pulp novels. And sometime in his career, I'm not enough of a scholar to know exactly when. But he a, a sort of, he made the sort of genius choice that he wanted to go on writing his novels about real people in real life, but he wanted them to sell. So he decided to start applying his what he considered, I think, his more literary talents. To his cheap, flashy pulp science fiction novels, and guess what? They got really, really great (laughs) suddenly, and he produced a stream of uh, pretty unparalleled classics, um, many of which have been turned into media projects. Very few of them have, I think, lived up to the potential. I don't think Man in the High Castle, the HBO series, is half as good as the book. I... Don't think Blade Runner is as good as Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. And Total Recall misses the point of the short story rather spectacularly. The better adaptations of Philip K. Dick are the ones that don't acknowledge, uh, that didn't pay for the rights. Uh, The Matrix and... uh, What's that one called? With The Thing and The Thing and Jim Carrey, The Truman Show. The Truman Show is very specifically a novel called Time Out of Joint. Um, which is great, and The Matrix just lifts a lot. Re- read Philip K. Dick, and you'll encounter the ideas in The Matrix over and over again about uh, reality being a simulacrum. Valis, though. Let's talk about Valis. Valis is a unique novel. In the early 70s, Philip K. Dick had a psychotic break, had a what he thought was possibly a mystical vision. He saw a pink light and believed that he had experienced the presence of God, Jesus, the Messiah, something. With his science fiction writer's mind, after this happened to him and after he was diagnosed, he started to try and understand what had happened to him and applied his intelligence to that and produced a giant religious treatise, the exegesis, sorry, the exegesis? I don't know how that word is pronounced. You rarely hear it. Anyway, long story short, after he had sort of recovered from his psychotic break and been in and out of mental hospitals, he wrote this book called Valis. The title is supposedly an acronym for Vast Active Living Intelligence Systems, something like that, which is supposed to be a big Russian satellite that maybe is God or translates the word of God or Vast Active Living Intelligence System. Yeah. Uh, it's also, inside the book, it is the title of a movie. And the movie is sort of vaguely similar to David Bowie's Man Who Fell to Earth, based on the novel by Walter Devis. Confused yet? It's a lot. There's a lot going on. But uh, what Vallis has going for it, which makes it completely unique, is there aren't a lot of autobiographical science fiction novels. The only one I can think of is... Uh, The Whitley-Stryber one about alien abductions that he says that he uh, experienced. And, you know, who am am I to doubt the word of Whitley-Stryber? But um, in Valis, the main characters are Philip K. Dick and a man named Horse Lover Fat. Uh, Philip, of course, is Greek for lover of horses. And Dich in German means thick fat so horse lover fat is another philip k dick and he's the one that has the religious epiphanies and he's the one that has the breakdown um in the story the part i want to read you because i just i found this enormously helpful um in the story the character horse lover fat is institutionalized after following a suicide attempt which is inspired by a lot of bad sad things that happen to him but uh he meets a doctor named stone in the north ward who helps him out and who takes his religious epiphanies seriously enough to talk about them and to talk about the specifically a fascination with the nag Hammadi uh manuscripts which are the gnostic sacred scrolls which uh horse lover fat is is absolutely fascinated by and uh, obsessed with really. Uh, Stone does some some research about it and talks to Horse Lover Fat about it and sort of brings him evidence that even backs up is too strong a word but bolsters his interesting take on what happened to him on religious history, on everything. Uh, and of course, Silver Fat is enormously grateful for this. Then I'm right about Nag Hamity, he said to Dr. Stone. You would know, Dr. Stone said. And then he said something that no one had ever said to Fat before. You're the authority, Stone said. Fat realized that Stone had redor- restored his, Fat's, spiritual life. Stone had saved him. He was a master psychiatrist. Everything which Stone had said and done vis-à-vis Fat had a therapeutic basis, a therapeutic thrust. Whether the content of Stone's information was correct was not important. His purpose from the beginning had been to restore Fat's faith in himself, which had vanished when Beth left, which had vanished actually when he had failed to save Gloria's life years ago. Dr. Stone wasn't insane. Stone was a healer. He held down the right job. Probably he healed many people and in many ways. He adapted his therapy to the individual, not the individual to the therapy. I'll be goddamned, Fat thought. In that simple sentence, you're the authority, Stone had given Fat back his soul. The soul which Gloria, with her hideous, malignant, psychological death game, had taken away. They, note the they paid Dr. Stone to figure out what had destroyed the patient entering the ward. In each case, a bullet had been fired at him, somewhere, at some time in his life. The bullet entered him, and the pain began to spread out. Insidiously, the pain filled him up until he split in half, right down the middle. The task of the staff, and even of the other patients, was to put the person back together, but this could not be done so long as the bullet remained. All the lesser therapists did was note the person split into two pieces and begin the job of patching him back into a unity, but they failed to find and remove the bullet. The fatal bullet fired at the person was the basis of Freud's original attack on the psychologically injured person. Freud had understood. He called it trauma. But later on, everyone got tired of searching for the fatal bullet. It took too long. Too much had to be learned about the patient. Dr. Stone had a paranormal talent, like his paranormal Bach remedies, which were a palpable hoax. A pretext to listen to the patient. Rum with a flower dipped in it, nothing more, but a sharp mind hearing what the patient said. Dr. Leon Stone turned out to be one of the most important people in horse lover Fat's life. To get to Stone, Fat had to nearly kill himself physically, matching his mental death. Is this what they meant about God's mysterious ways? How else could Fat have linked up with Leon Stone? Only some dismal act of the order of a suicide attempt, a truly lethal attempt, would have achieved it. Fat had to die or nearly die to be cured or nearly cured. I wonder where Leon Stone practices now. I wonder what his recovery rate is. I wonder how he got his paranormal abilities. I wonder a lot of things. The worst event in Fat's life. Beth leaving him, taking Christopher, and Fat trying to kill himself, had brought on limitless benign consequences. If you judge the merits of a sequence by their final outcome, Fat had just gone through the best period of his life. He emerged from North Ward as strong as he would ever get. After all, no man is infinitely strong. For every creature that runs, flies, hops, or crawls, there is a terminal nemesis which he will not circumvent, which will finally do him in. But Dr. Stone had added the missing element of fat, the element taken away from him, half deliberately by Gloria Knudsen, who wished to take as many people with her as she could. Self-confidence. You are the authority, Stone had said, and that sufficed. I've always told people that for each person there is a sentence, a series of words, which has the power to destroy him. When Fat told me about Leon Stone, I realized, this came years after the first realization, that another sentence exists, another series of words, which will heal the person. If you're lucky, you will get the second, but you can be certain of getting the first. That is the way it works. On their own, without training, individuals know how to deal out the lethal sentence, but training is required to deal out the second Stephanie had come close when she made her little ceramic pot, oh ho, and presented it to Fat as her gift of love, a love she lacked the verbal skills to articulate. Now, when Stone gave Fat the typescript material from the Nag Hammadi codex, had he known the significance of pot and potter to Fat? To know that, Stone would have to be telepathic. Well, I have no theory. Fat, of course, has. He believes that, like Stephanie, Doctor Stone was a micro form of God. That's why I say fat is nearly healed, not healed. The healing sentence and the lethal sentence had quite an effect on me when I first read it because I know it feels true. You know there are things people can say to you that change things for you, change your perspective on yourself, that make it easier to be comfortable in your skin, that reflect back on you the way you see yourself. And yes, anyone can figure out the lethal sentence. That's the easy one. It is easy to destroy. It is very easy, very difficult to heal and to save. Those are my end-of-the-year thoughts on Valis by Philip K. Dick. I highly recommend you give it a read, and I will see you in 2022. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.